If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello and welcome to Springboard Your Virtual Investing. My name is Albert Okran, welcoming you to Ghana's foremost developmental program running since 2008. Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Ratio Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse and the Enterprise Group with media support from the Multimedia Group and the Graphic Communications Group. Today in the engine room, I get to meet a very special person. Susan Quist is the CEO of Piedmont Advisory, a boutique advisory firm, and she helps me to unpack the story of her life that started from Ghana, then went to the US, then to South Africa, and back to Ghana, and all the lines in between. Susan, welcome to Springboard. Thank you, Albert. Was that a good description of your yeah, life? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Tell me, advisory, before we go to the, 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 the pit stops, do you, do you like Formula One? Mm, I can't say I do, but which, I follow which sports it. Sometimes. Do you like uh, football? Football. I used to play the, the American version. Of, no, that the, is the, not the real one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Formula One has something they call pit stops. Before we go into the pit stops of your life, let's start with advice you for the benefit of somebody sure. who hasn't heard about your firm. When you say a boutique advisory firm, what do you do? So we have four focus areas, I would say, or pillars. Um, the first one is business advisory, where we go in and do things like business diagnostics. We assess companies at different stages of, of 
existence, I would say, or evolution, um, working with startups all the way to established companies. And we help them figure out whether there are any gaps in their operations or their, how they are set up. Um, and then provide a report um, in terms of our assessment or observations of what uh, they're doing, aligned to best practices, all within the framework of what they're doing and their industry. Try to keep it simple, but bite-sized chunks. And then on the other hand, we do fundraising and transaction advisory where we go and actively look for investments uh, for companies. Um, but we build things like the investor pitch deck, all that good stuff that investors want to see to help convince them to invest in the company. Um, and then the third arm is operations management. And we go in and help set up whatever we need to set up in terms of financial reporting, um, P&Ls, building, all that good stuff that really makes a company sustainable. The fourth leg is human capital infrastructure building. So helping you design your organization, helping you figure out how to change your culture. Um, if you feel like your culture is not where it should be and everything in between. We look at the entire employee journey map um, and, and see how we help you actually have strong leadership and culture in your organization. Was well, this what you wanted to do growing up? Did it, did it even exist when you were growing up? Not at all. I never once thought I would end up running a business. What, what, what do you think you would do? Oh, I wanted to be a lawyer. I decided to become a lawyer at the age of 11. Tell me about that. So it started with my um, family being held at gunpoint at home. Mm -hmm. Seriously? Yes, 19, November 13, I think, 1987. And the four guys I'll never forget because I was pretty I was young at the time but it left a lasting impression and these four guys burst into the house held us at gunpoint hit my father on the head with I'm a gun sorry. it was pretty traumatic it was tr tragic and but nobody got hurt and for me I decided that that couldn't happen it just seemed fundamentally unfair that that kind of behavior would happen so I decided to become a criminal lawyer went to law school and decided against being a criminal lawyer. You finished law school? Yeah, I did. Graduated? I did. I did. I went to law school. I'm actually a lawyer practicing. Well, I was a practicing lawyer. I call myself a recovering lawyer, to be honest. Recovering from? From the practice of law. Well, was it stressful there to you? It was stressful, but it didn't. I feel like there was a lot more to me than what the practice of law allowed me to do. Um, it gave me a solid foundation in terms of critical thinking and how to analyze. But I found a passion for understanding the businesses, understanding my clients and advising them to do things the way they should. And so then I went into in-house practice um, with two, two companies. One was a nonprofit, the other was a for uh, Fortune 500 company. Quickly, you know, did fairly well, set up legal functions, did, I think, a good job of being a strategic advisor, but I didn't stay in my lane. I quickly run into understanding the business, asking a lot of questions, wanting to solve problems. Um, and so that's how I ended up moving into operations and, and managing a business. You know, the funny thing is, the part of the story that is lingering on my mind is not even what you found and did. I'm wondering whether it's the push factor I'm interested in or the pull factor. Mm. But, but be that as it may, what excites me is the fact that 
you found the flexibility to say that this is a prestigious profession that everyone wants to be in. But for me in particular, this is not me. And the boldness, flexibility and the boldness to walk away and and dare to call yourself a recovering lawyer. (laughs) So now here I am thinking of myself and saying, so which one will I which one will I become? And I'm sure my friends, my friends in the in the 1987 first year law class would laugh at me when I say this, but I, I went to I went to law class at Legon, um considering becoming a lawyer as well as an economist. Mm. And I was reading law and economics in first year. And after three weeks, if I first my first case was <laughs> Marbury and Madison, I said, Yeah, that one cool, we can handle it. Then oh. <laughs> they gave us like three cases to brief, and they said, no, from, from one case, they gave us seven cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then Kofi Kumado. I said, hey. from one case, next one, seven cases. They said, oh, the next one will be 15 cases. I said, you know what? If one case took so much of my time, <laughs> let's re examine this. Thing. After three weeks, I packed my bag and ran away. So if yeah. you are a retainee, you are a what? Recovery. Recovery lawyer. lawyer, and then I think I'm an escape. <laughs> I did. I did. But I am thinking, if Susan, if somebody, I mean, I did a show once on the fact that what you learned in school is not necessarily what you must practice mm-hmm. career-wise. I mean, in the form in which you learned it, sure. and you are just lending credence to that fact. So, if somebody is sitting here with a rigidity of mind to see that this is what I did in school, and I'm not finding a job in that space, what will be your thoughts for them? I think focus on the competencies. What are the skills and competencies you took or you learned from whatever course you did? I liken the practice of law to engineering in terms of how we were trained. It's quite linear, it's very methodical. It's about, you know, analyzing every step to get to a conclusion. And so if you have that skill set, you can translate it into other kinds of jobs. I have a lot of friends who went to who were engineers or who are engineers but are recovering engineers as well. They've gone into private equity, they've gone into investment banking. They've done so many different things, but they're leveraging the skills and competencies that they were taught in school. So I have a band of engineer friends who insist <laughs> that they are the best managers and ah. they, would, they would defend it to the hilt. In essence, you are practicing the law in, the, in essence, using the skills from law school Absolutely. in your practice Absolutely. today. Okay, so you went to advise you in the US? Yes, so I went into private practice in the US. Okay, and then, and then from the US, crossed over to South Africa? I did. Give us a sense of the, <clears throat> the, the journey, starting from from school in, in, in Ghana. And sorry about that experience you shared, uh, even though it was a career-defining experience. Sorry about the personal no, no, thank you, thank you. I mean, it, shaped, it helped shape who I was. But honestly, once I said I wanted to be a lawyer, my parents made sure I didn't forget <laughs> that decision. <laughs> <laughs> so did you think when you switched? No. Or, or once you had done it? No, 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 no. I mean, my dad passed away before I made the decision, and my mom supported me, um, even though she's also passed. But I think for her, it was more so understanding who her child is <laughs> and the fact that I have different interests and, and different um, things that excite me. And so she understood the career um, progression and was very supportive. Let me stay there for a minute sure. because I've spoken to parents in the past month, especially mm-hmm. who are at a place that I cannot see, I do not identify with. 
where you think you're so sure what your child will do well in. Uh, and some opportunities are literally platinum, gold dust <laughs> for the child. And the child has a different angle that right. they want to. And the dance between parental authority or parental experience and the curiosity and the enthusiasm of the child about what they love. Tell me, what's your perspective on that? So I think it's an interesting balance that parents have to make. Um, they need to nurture the child. They need to understand the child. They need to understand what their strengths and weaknesses are and hone those strengths and weaknesses and guide to the best of their abilities. But I think we grew up in a generation where there are two professions or three professions. There's either engineer, lawyer, or doctor. And so the gray area like doing film production or you know dressmaking, those things were not popular. And I think that has changed. I think you find that parents today are learning that there's a lot of business to be made from each of those professions. And so they're encouraging their, their children. But I think it just boils down to listening to your child. And what if the child gets it wrong? That's fine. Let them make the mistake. They won't die. They won't die. <laughs> so if you are listening to us, this is Springboard, your virtual university. My guest, Susan Quist. She runs Piedmont Advisory, and we are just breaking down the story of her life. But before that, a couple of themes that have caught our attention. One is how a childhood experience can define your career path. And the second one is about parental engagement with your children about their career choices. So Susan, let's go back to Motown and let's, let's ride to GIS and, and see where we'll end up. Okay. So tell me, where did it all start? I guess you could say it started um, in Liberia. My dad... Yeah, so my dad used to work for IBM and talking about careers, my father did computer science in the 1960s. Yes, at the University of Ibadan. He then went to work for IBM, got posted to Liberia. So as a family, we moved to Liberia and then came back after five years, right when the, the coup happened. And I went, my bro older brother and I went to Red Church. And then from Red Church, I went to Achimota. I did a year at Achimota and then went to Ghana International School. Um, and then from there, graduated, went to school in a small town in Wisconsin, very small, extremely cold, <laughs> called Lawrence University. Can't go to the, my wife can't go to the neighborhood. I've lived there. She can't stand cold. It, I mean, it was negative 30 degrees in my oh, first winter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually couldn't believe it. And it was cold eight months out of the year. So needless to say, once I graduated, I hightailed out of that spot of top speed. top speed and never looked back. <laughs> um, moved to Atlanta, decided to do a gap year because I wanted to make sure that I actually wanted to be a lawyer. So spent a year as a personal assistant in a law firm and then went to school in New Orleans, Tulane University. Um, and then joined a law firm out in South Carolina where I spent four and a half years before joining um, Habitat for Humanity International in-house council. And they are the ones who orchestrated my move to South Africa <laughs> after oh. about four years. Yes, I moved to Pretoria, South Africa. I spent two years in Pretoria and decided I didn't want to move back to the US and ended up working for an engine company <laughs> for about eight years. And now here I am. So, so the various experiences in different 
countries. What did that do to your your management concepts and, and, and frame of mind? I mean, I think it was interesting because the culture in South Africa in terms of management is very different, I would say, or quite different from what I experienced in the U.S. But I still work for an American company, so there's still a larger... I call ethos. Okay. Um, but that exists. Yeah. But I'm the, the difference. It's quite different. I think South Africa for me was a, a bit of a culture shock. I, I, it, it was quite the adjustment. And I think it's simply because I didn't know what to expect. What did you do for you? Um, let me give you an example. So in the US, it's quite a little bit cold. You just say, hello, do this on email. But in South Africa, that's like, no, you so you are supposed to greet. Yes. <laughs> you are supposed to say, yes. hello, dear Albert, good morning. Hello. Hope, how are you? How's Hope you're well. Yes. And I was coming in thinking, I mean, why do you need all these pleasantries? <laughs> Let's just oh get to goodness. it. It's business. But I adjusted. I, I've definitely learned that. No, it's hold it for a second. Very different. Now, where, does, where does Ghana fit in this? Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC very similar to South Africa very Absolutely. similar but it was good it was good for me to to, to recalibrate okay um, but then when I deal with clients or people in the US I see it and I can understand how jarring it is to receive it but I also know that they just that's just how they are Hit it, girl. Just keep going. let's just go it's business we have to move talking time about money. that <laughs> talking about that in the course of what you do now, mm-hmm. you can't, you can no longer be neutral about cultures yeah. and about the subculture of a society. So when you go doing advisory work, are you forced to sometimes adjust to suit the cultural setting of the organizations you're looking for? Yes and no. So I think what I try to do is to understand the culture, um, but it also depends on what I'm being brought in to do. So if I'm being brought in to support a culture change, then part of my responsibility is to understand it and highlight where improvements can be made and how those improvements can be made. Um, but I do try to adjust to understand the way things work um, while still trying to remain authentic and who I am. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. It's a dance. Let's explore some themes that uh, will generally be beneficial to somebody trying to build their own business, mm. somebody trying to build their own dream. Yeah. So let's go back to when you decided not to go into law and to go to advise you. You clearly stated now your four pillars, and I don't think that at the beginning they were very evident uh, to you. No, they were not. So help us appreciate, 
how you how you found your niche okay. so somebody can be helped by that so i decided to move from practicing law into running into operation so it, it, i didn't necessarily have to go and run a business but i wanted to do something else which is be even if it was being in the back of their house understanding how payroll is done understanding how it implementation is done um, and so when I left the company I was with, I actually was just going to take a few months to rest because I just thought I had been working nonstop since I was 18. Let me just take three months or something to just unwind, figure out what I'm going to do, apply to <laughs> for jobs, um, and then COVID hit. So then it was like, okay, what am I going to do? But in the meantime, I was being pulled in by people to say, come and help here, come and help there. And then started trying to think through how is this something that's a potential um, shift? I resisted it for quite a while, actually. I was scared to do it. I thought, I don't know any, I don't know the first thing about starting a business. I'm not, I don't think I'm entrepreneurial. Um, but as time went on, I actually was being encouraged by people and friends. They're like, you can do it. There's no reason why you can't do it. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. And then eventually I was like, but why can't I do it? Right. Right. So then it became sitting down and actually mapping out what my advisory firm was going to do. Why are we going to be different from the rest? How are we different from everybody who does advisory work? What is it that the market needs? And how do we fill that gap? That's how I thought about it. But I didn't do it on my own. I, I have people who I call part of my board of advisors, and they all have different strengths. So I have someone who really good at marketing, has run a business for decades. I have a strategy consultant person, finance. So I sat with each one, talked about what I was thinking of, they helped me hone it and, and really drill down in the bits and pieces. And then I put together the business plan. Would you recommend that everyone seeking to do big things in life have what you call your personal board of directors? Absolutely. Or help me to understand how it is constituted and how it functions. <laughs> do, do you meet them individually? Do you ever get to meet them collectively? I don't meet them collectively, them in, 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 clusters. in clusters. But for the most part, I meet them individually. And I don't even think they know that yeah, they are, yeah, yeah, they don't. That's a, good, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, they don't know each other. They may hear me talking about whoever I've consulted with, but they are the people who I consider my close circle. They know me, they understand me, they're going to tell me the truth, they're not going to tell me what I want to so hear. It's a criteria. So one, they must know you, two, they must understand you, three, they must tell you the truth. Yes, I have to trust you implicitly. Trust. And I have to trust that you have my best interest at heart. Um, because it's not everybody, not that I, I'm not cynical in the sense that I think there's not everybody has your best interest at heart. No. Cool. But, well, yeah. <laughs> but you go on a journey with people, they get to see different sides of who you are and they get to understand who you are. And so they can share insights or suggestions around things that you want to do in a manner that you may not have thought about. And that's what I like about them. What is in it for them? Nothing, just my success. Are they philanthropists? <laughs> no, they're human beings who are working daily jobs just like the rest of us. Are they busier than you? Probably. 
I'm not exploring because I mean, you hear people say, listen, I'm, I just need somebody to listen to me and guide me. I don't have anyone. What did you do differently to get the attention of these accomplished people to, because this is very key to this conversation. People who are more accomplished, who really are not getting anything from you in terms of return. They just are doing it because they want you to do well. Something must have triggered that level of interest, right. commitment. Right. What did you do to get them to be so interested in projects, Susan? Well, there's a mix of things. It's one, they're actually people who I consider my friends. Um, they also happen to be professionals who are similar to me in terms of their life's journey. So we share a lot of older. things in common. Some are older, some are older, some are younger. I'm trying to make a science out of what people consider, consider an art. And I don't know that I was very um, scientific about it. Yeah, that's the that's a mystery of life. It was organic. Okay. It was organic. All it's right. relationships so that... application They won't apply. These are relationships that have existed for years, in some cases, decades. Mm. Mm. And... I also provide, and sometimes opinions that you haven't asked for, but I give it to them anyway. Sounding board. Sounding board. So it's it's a give and take. Thus, is springboard your virtual university, the give and take edition <laughs> of springboard your virtual university. And my guest for today, Susan Quist, she runs Piedmont Advisory, and she's been trying to take us on a tour from Liberia to Ghana to US to South Africa and back to Ghana. And in the course of this this tour and the various pit stops, you are learning some very interesting lessons. And the one that has caught my attention right now is what she casually called a, a, a personal board of directors. Knowing very well how many of you would like to have your own board, I'm trying to make this a scientific inquiry. What does it take to start a board? Do they know each other? How do you approach them? And she's been giving us some very useful tips about friendship over a long time, which means automatically that the relationships were oiled. It's not just you stand up, you're going to apply to somebody and say, you are my boy, who told you? <laughs> let's give you a break to catch your breath. Sure. When we come back, let's take some imaginary companies listening to us and do some diagnostics on air. Who knows? Uh -oh. Somebody might just benefit, <laughs> somebody might just benefit from your, your counsel about how to navigate their way forward, especially as... Some businesses go through very trying moments they yeah. didn't bargain for a couple of years ago. This is Springboard, your virtual investor, and this is a conversation in the engine room with Susan Quest. When we come back from this break, please, free advice for you. Call somebody to call somebody to call somebody <laughs> to tune in, log on, and watch this program as we help you to understand where you are and where you are going. Please don't go away. When you want to eat, just momo it. Tired of the long queues in the supermarket? with Momo. When you really want that beautiful new blouse, just Momo it. When you want to get a trim and get fresh to impress you know who, just Momo it. When you need to pay your utility bills and domestic staff, Shani Momo. When you want to send love to the family back home, send some Momo. Join the millions of MTN Momo users all over Ghana and live life the brighter way. So just Momo it. MTN. Grandma looked very peaceful. I was completely amazed when I saw her neatly presented. She looked just like she was sleeping. You haven't seen anything yet, my brother. You should have seen the care and quality treatment they gave her at Transitions. Eh? One man, one room, just like a five-star hotel. Wow. 
And not only that, we had a dedicated person to guide the family through the funeral planning process. Are you sure? Of course. From picking her up to when we lowered grandma down, everything was completely stress-free. They had all the needed funeral services, caskets, hairs, chapel, and so much more. This one, dear, no family fights after all. I'm so happy we made a right decision to use transitions. With Transitions, your loved one gets the best of care while the family enjoys a stress-free funeral planning process. Call us now on 0302-634-706. And oh, did I tell you they are affordable? Transitions, the funeral people. Welcome back to Springboard, your venture investor into this beautiful conversation with Susan Quist, helping us to unpack the life of a woman who has lived on different continents and who is working in the advisory business. So far, we've been exploring interesting themes about the dance between parental authority and experience and the, in, the, the curiosity of a, a child and their aspirations. We've spoken about, about life choices and then also about how a harrowing experience in her childhood helped frame her career choice. She celebrated her parents and their input in her life. And then she ended the first part on the conversation about a personal board of directors. I'm not surprised that many of you will find this very, very interesting because you think if I go one, my life will never be the same again. We'll talk about that, but Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Racial Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse and the Enterprise Group with media support from the Multimedia Group and the Graphic Communications Group. Talking about enterprise, our enterprise advantage tip for the day is based on the question, what is the difference between home insurance and content insurance? And it's a simple answer. Content insurance focuses on the valuables other than the building in the home. Whereas in the broader context, home insurance includes the value of the building and its contents. So I'm going for home insurance because it covers everything and makes you even safer. This is brought to you by the enterprise group. Call them on 030-263-4777 or email info at myenterprisegroup.io. Enterprise, your advantage. Susan, we want an advantage in our businesses. Sure. So let's imagine a, a, an imaginary business that is listening to you today and seeing diagnostics, exactly what I needed, diagnostics. In the diagnostic process for somebody doing agricultural processing, Mm-hmm. Like my young ladies who do coffee, tea, right, right here in Ghana, doing some fantastic jobs. And I love agribusiness. I'll start from there. Right. Or somebody doing grocery deliveries or somebody running, um, let's say, an HR management firm or running a manufacturing entity sure. or a not-for-profit. In diagnostics, what is the first big question that you ask? Why are you doing this? Why? Why do you want to do a diagnostic? I attempted that question. <laughs> why? Well, I, I thought you meant why are they doing the business? No. Well, that's the next question. So when we do the diagnostic, we, we cover a wide spectrum of areas. But depending on what the client needs, we may just zero in on the customer experience. So let me imagine example. a friend of mine. I won't give you any clue about the industry, but okay. let's see. Why are we doing this? Revenue has suddenly fallen. Mm-hmm. Revenue is falling explicably. We've tried all manner of ways to get more people in, but revenue is not matching our expectations and we are hot. Our costs are largely fixed. Right. So we are running at a loss. We don't know how long this loss can be sustained. Right. 
So, so that's, that's why I did diagnostics. So yes, indeed. So I mean, the first thing is to understand what your business, uh, your strategic vision is. What is it that you set out to accomplish, and how does that align with what you're actually doing? Who are your clients? What is the opportunity for growth? Where would that opportunity be? What areas will they be in? Are you concentrated in Accra? Do you need to expand into other parts of Ghana? What would that cost to do it? What is the investment needed um, to be able to grow your top line? If the issue is a skills issue, do you have the right people who are helping you grow? Or do you have nobody? Because oftentimes when you have a lot of startups, it's the the CEO is also the chief development officer, <laughs> the chief, well, chief business development officer, CFO, etc. Do they have a choice? Do they, they don't. <laughs> right? But where are you in your life, the life cycle of the company? What are the opportunities to peel off some of the responsibilities in order to grow, in order to be able to bring in more capital, more revenue. Would you say that this whole process is anchored in the assumption or the realization that many people running startups and growing businesses do not get the opportunity to step back and ask themselves critical questions about their business? They don't have the time. (laughs) They don't have the time. I mean, as someone who has set up her own company, I was pretty much doing everything until I brought in a partner. And then both of us started working on different parts of the business. But for the most part, I was doing my own marketing. I was doing my own business development. I was executing on the projects. I was figuring out how. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC to get more business, etc. Um, I was managing finance, you know, setting up all the finance um, software that was needed, figuring out what registrations needed to happen. So when you are doing all of those things, there's only so much time in a day. <laughs> so I completely understand and empathize with companies where you have the founder and CEO who's just run ragged. They've been doing this for years and they're tired. <laughs> they don't have the capacity to do it anymore. The question is, where are they in terms of the opportunity to expand? And oftentimes, that's the most difficult conversation because they don't want to let go of control. Stay with that same point, and let me explore a word you used, alignment. Alignment. Is it a case that sometimes after the first few questions, 
you will discover that there is a total misalignment between the vehicle yeah. and the intended destination. Yes. Help absolutely. us explain that. Um, I think that we can get caught in the cycle of wanting to do everything because starting a business requires a lot of investment. And so if you're the one putting in the seed capital, anytime there's an opportunity that has nothing to do with where you want it to go, but there's CD signs attached to it, it's tempting. And for most part, most people would look at it. But in that situation, I call it vision creep. You're losing sight of what it is that you set out to do. And others, friends, will, will mean well. And I say, oh, you know, you started this business. I'm sure you need money. Come and do X. has nothing to do with anything. But out of the goodness of their heart, they want to help you. Um, but you have to be intentional um, about sticking to what you decided to do. You have to believe in it enough because if you don't believe in it how do your clients and customers believe in it therefore buy into it so there's some of that psychological dance <laughs> that um, founders and ceos have to do now of course if you're a big established company that has been around for a long time there are different implications different pressures um, and in that instance it's okay there's something that maybe failed why did it fail and we go in and do a root cause analysis and so that's a lot more we're operating in a more structured sense but if I'm dealing with a you know a small SME or a startup is it can be a little bit different so let me steal the, the, the issue of what you call vision creep yeah would you choose a, a, an option if I if I give you between focus and diversification. You, you mentioned that the temptation sometimes is that as, as soon as the business leader sees something else that has prospects and they tell you there's money in it, then the little capital, you want to try that one yeah. too and, 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 and quickly diversify. And sometimes it can look like a measure of success. Would you be the school of thought that says, Charlie, focus? Or you be the school of thought that says, okay, but diversify, but not too much. Or the school of thought that says, listen, anything that there's money in, Charlie, go for it. Between the three, I'm definitely not on the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not. If you're building a sustainable business, but diversification is absolutely necessary if you're running any company. You need to make sure your client base is diverse. You need to make sure your revenue sources is diverse. Mm. You need to understand your cost structure and be able to figure out what levers to pull to reduce cost when you need to reduce cost or inject, you know, money where you need to, but be clear on what your return on investment is. So when you have a company, you are a car rental company, you want to expand and do um, out of town tourism, like take people out of town. Fine. That's another stream of income, but it's still tied to you know, so, so it's more like concentric diversification, not <laughs> conglomerates all over the right. place, salt and timber and... Yeah, but if Piedmont Advisory exists and then I want Piedmont Group and I want to go into property development, fine. But within Piedmont Advisory, if I've decided this is a boutique firm, then why am I building houses? Vis-a-vis <laughs> Piedmont Advisory. You see what I'm saying? I think it just dilutes what you're doing and I think it also dilutes your credibility. This is Springboard, your virtual university, and today, beyond going to the engine room with Susan, we are taking advantage of your presence on set <laughs> to try and share some ideas about companies and how you can literally, through the show, 
look at the health of your firm and begin to make some changes or get help to, to, to work better. Let's go to human capital. I, I'm tempted to um, stay with the um, strategy and operations, but let's go to human capital. Some people say it's a make or break. If you get that one wrong, forget about every equipment you bought, forget about everything. Would you be of the same <laughs> I opinion? I think so, yeah. I think that when when I hear people talk about setting up a business, the first thing you, they, you talk about is a CFO or a finance person. Hardly do we talk about people. Hardly. Because we don't think it's important. But it's the most important part of the company. They are the ones who are actually going to help you achieve your objectives. So you hire HR first. Yeah, actually. <laughs> I would advocate that. All my friends, all my friends in HR will watch this broadcast or listen and say, Charlie, tell her to say it again three times. Because I really like commissive. You play back with my CEO here. You know, the, you know the HR folks have this huge association and, and group and they always are, are saying that, I mean, CEOs and the CEOs should get it wrong and that the priority must, must, must be they a moment capital. Tell me Your why. Your people and culture are the heartbeat of the organization. Why don't we look there? I don't know why. <laughs> Help us appreciate why we should. In order to deliver, so we talk about the agribusiness. If you are setting up, let's say, a plantain farm, you yourself alone cannot go and plant those plantain seed, seedlings. You need resources. So if you are bringing in resources and you're not intentional about the kind of people that you want to bring in, are they, do they have the skills to do what you're looking for? Do they have the temperament to do what they're looking for? Are they able to stand out in the hot sun and endure what it takes to do what you want them to do? If the answer is no, why are you hiring them? So not being intentional about building the right foundation in terms of your people operations, I think is something that we tend to do as companies and we make that mistake every time and get so frustrated when things are not happening the way you thought it would happen. Help us appreciate the cost of bringing the wrong people into a business. So you've mentioned three things in terms of being intentional, skills, temperament, and suitability. Now, let's, let's go to the cost of bringing the wrong person. I think that when that, I've learned that when people get to know the cost of doing yeah. the wrong thing, it, it sends the message even better than encouraging them about how right it is to, to get the staffing right. What is the potential cost of staffing done wrongly. You've lost time, you've lost energy in working with someone who could never really deliver what you wanted them to do. You've lost money when you've paid salaries for someone who's not going to be able to do what you need them to do. And then sometimes, if you need to exit them, you're going to have to pay them a package to exit them. And so all these things, in my opinion, there's a monetary um, value you can attach to it, which means you are actually losing money when you hire the wrong people. Then you have this, uh, well, I won't say occasional <laughs> situation where you bring in the wrong person, wrong ethics, and they steal from you, mm -hmm. right? So you have fraud taking place in your businesses. And this is something that everybody talks about, employees stealing from them. But what did you do to assess the person that you were bringing in? How did you go about identifying them and then testing their values and morals before you brought them in. You're not always going to get it right. Let me be clear. But did you even try? 
I'm a pastor, and, and in the course of preaching, sometimes you preach, sometimes you preach, the pastor stay there. That yep. means what you're saying is exactly my pain point. Right. So when I say right now, I'm just, I'm just simply saying that, Susan, you just have hit the nail right on the head. If somebody's listening and saying, Charlie, I have some stuff, they are giving me a holler. Yeah. Well, what are the options open to an employer who does an assessment of their employees and things? Oh, I got it so wrong in some instances. What should they do? You have two options. We say you can redeploy them, i.e. move them into a different job where you think they could do well, or you exit them um, from the company. And it doesn't have to be acrimonious when you exit them. You can help them find a new job. Um, it's the conversation you have with them around, you know what, this is not the right fit. We made a mistake. I don't even think you yourself are enjoying what you're doing let's talk about it what else can we do you work the process that way but to me you have two options so the two options are redeploy or, or exit. exit and you are saying that it doesn't have to be bloody and all over the place no it doesn't <laughs> at all it shouldn't are there be. instances where by mutual consent both the organization the candidates mm -hmm. or employee agree that this is best for both of us you can, it, it depends on the individuals <laughs> Um, it depends on the manager, their management style. It depends on the employee, their own um, self-awareness and humility, um, and also courage. Because I think in an environment where jobs are hard to come by, people hold on to what they have. Even when they know they're not fit. Even if they know that they're not fit. So is it a question of I'm going to leave and take the chance of finding something new or I'm just going to be looking? So for that entrepreneur or that business owner who knows that their staffing is badly done and, and has complained about it for the past five years, mm -hmm. but is enduring it and hoping that things will change. What would you say to them? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is the definition of madness. <laughs> those, those words were recited so many times by the late Jim Ron, one of the one of America's finest finest trainers and, 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 and speakers. And, and anytime you said it, I said, hi. In my culture, you don't see that. <laughs> and I know it's but, controversial for me to say that, but, but it's but, true. But it's, it's, it's the hard reality of change management. So you're saying that if you stick with the same thing, knowing that it's hurting you and don't do anything about it, what is the likely outcome in a situation like this? Well, I think it depends. Some I've seen people have a lot of resilience and tolerance where they will just suffer in silence for another five years until one of them decides enough is enough and they leave. Um, and I think that's an unfortunate because I think it then could potentially create a, a more toxic environment in the organization because other employees are watching. They're seeing you keep someone who's not doing their part, who's not doing the heavy lifting, and they're still there getting a salary every day. So why should I kill myself? Why should I bend over backwards? Mm. Um, so you start to, I think, inculcate behaviors and culture by default mm. that you don't want if you're not careful. So you're saying, you, so you are the school of thought that says the weak link yes. must not be left alone. It must be dealt with, or the stronger links will stop working hard because there's no point. Because they get demotivated. Wow. <laughs> Springboard your virtual university. As I promised at halftime, the second half is much more about looking at your firm, your business, your organization, and asking tough questions. I'm sure that if I had a chance, I'll keep at this with Susan for 
for all the time, and there were still many more questions to ask about operations, about human capital, about funding, and everything in between. But what this has done is establish the fact that if you are overwhelmed, it may be worth your while to get help because finding the right person and finding the right help could help you steer your business back on track. So Susan, I hope I've achieved my <laughs> aim of getting people to see that it's not too bad to get advisory help from an advisory organization if you are scrounging for help. Are they very expensive? Are you people very expensive? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, somebody says, considering the benefits, please pay us and do it. All right. Let me just get a bit more into your life. Sure. So as a professional navigating, trying to build your business, have you suffered setbacks in business oh. personally? Um, I think if I look back on, on my entire career, I think yes. The answer is definitely yes. We, But I think that's what helps build that resilience muscle, is what I call it. Somebody says, I will die, I will die. You'll be all right. What do you have to say to them? They won't die. They won't die. And that's the big learning. And I think, you know, you go through life, there are different types of fears, and you are worried about failure, you're worried about rejection. Um, but I've come to learn, I, I mean, I definitely didn't have this perspective 10 years ago or even five years ago, <laughs> but I've come to learn that in everything, what you perceive as a failure is actually a lesson. It's an opportunity to learn and to, to pivot and to say, okay, I tried that. It didn't work. Let me try something else. And it's okay. And invariably, you know, for every business proposal that I put together and send out and I hear crickets, that is a valuable piece of work that I can use somewhere else and for another potential Is crickets a term for rejection? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Silence. Or you don't have, someone doesn't call you back. They never, re, you know, come back to you on the proposal. There is no crickets. When you listen to Springboard, you must get online and engage you. That's if not, then you are doing crickets. So that's a new one. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. Okay. <laughs> So it's a learning for you. It's a learning. Every single opportunity is a learning. And whatever setbacks you face as a business, um, just take from it. Do a lessons learned. What's the role of support systems, apart from the board of directors? What's the role of the other support systems that you find in your life? Do you find that there's somewhere you can go and cry a little? Tell me about the role of support systems, mentors, listening shoulders, anything. I don't think I would be where I am without them. Um, and 
I have different, again, different categories from my network. I have my champions, and these are the people who will say my name in a room so I can get a business opportunity. I have mentors who will say, how about you think about it this way? And then I have friends who I can just go and vent to, mm-hmm. um, or people who I can just go and scream, complain, and they just listen quietly and put the phone down. Maybe in a week or two, they'll call me. They're like, you know what? I was thinking about that whole thing. You know, so there's a role that each of them play and every one of them has a valuable place in my professional career. They may not know it, um, but they do. My children accuse me that when they tell me something, I sometimes will pretend I didn't even hear it and then much later come up, please <laughs> tell them something for me. That one is allowed. Well, there are different kinds of people. <laughs> so my children are listening. Please tell them for me. Give them business advice you have. Accept your father for who he is. Yes. Right? <laughs> so you're processing. Yeah. You're thinking about it and then you'll go back to yes. them. That's, that's perfectly fine. Okay. So but where do you get this news from? Champions, mentors, <laughs> You have a way of categorizing things with names. Are you a big fan of nomenclature, giving things names and... I think I'm just a big fan of clarity. Okay. And so once I have the clarity in my head, then I can wrap my mind around it. So that's that's sort of how I learn and how I operate. Okay. In my interview with Michael Buzumbo, he called it the basics. Simplify it. So yes. Don't tell me abstract things. Just simplify for me. It that's what I think. Is it a big asset in business? Yeah. I think we complicate things in life. <laughs> I really think we complicate things in life. So what's your biggest, my final question, what's your biggest asset as a person that helps you in your consulting business? I think my bubbly personality. Tell me about that. I thought I should be helpful in marketing and other <laughs> roles. Thank you. Well, I don't take myself too seriously. I'm serious. I really don't. It's almost almost sounds like contradiction. It is. I take my I don't take myself seriously, but I take my work seriously. Explain. I believe we play, we work hard and we laugh hard. So that's sort of how I approach work, how I approach things, you know, the people I engage with. I want to have fun mm. with what I'm doing. I don't want to walk into a room, everybody is pole faced, looking mobile, as they say. <laughs> not really engaging with each other, not laughing. That is not the environment for me. Fun. Fun. We should be able I, I to laugh. I hope fun on the show. I've had a blast. All right. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Um, I have a number of them. Give me, give me a couple of them. There's hot pink, turquoise, and yellow. You see, the school you went to is your problem. <laughs> you are going to the site, you said hot pink. I'll say green. I'll green. Okay, and then food. Oh, that one, there's a lot. <laughs> to. I mean, if I had to choose my favorite Ghanaian food, it was probably Wachi. Wow. Mm. Charlie, I'm too listen there. It's most unfortunate. Of this life and this <laughs> most, Stay there. Most unfortunate. Why? Because is powerful. It is, exactly. Too powerful. Hey, I like this wife and my friends in the Wachi business will be smiling very, very nicely. <laughs> so tell me, where do you want to be 10 years from now? You know, I've asked myself that question quite a bit in the last few days. And I think if I, 10 years from now, I, want, I just want to be able to look back and know that I left a lasting impact on some company or client. And that's kind of what it is for me. I mean, there are a number of obviously career goals that I have, but I think for the most part is centered around impact and making a difference. 
what's the role of faith in your life? Oh, it's huge. I don't think I'll be here without faith. And one of the learnings in this journey especially is if I hadn't had the faith, I would have been somewhere in the mental institution. Wow. Because every month when I'm looking at that those bills thinking, how am I going to pay these bills? But somehow it works out. I didn't say, well, it's God. He's your best friend. He's my best friend, even when I'm fighting with him. Fighting <laughs> God? Oh, yes. Freely. <laughs> This is one of those shows that you wish we didn't end, but I've had a wonderful conversation with Susan Quesi of Piedmont Advisory, helping us to unpack the story of her life in the first segment. In the second segment, doing an imaginary diagnostics for um, for any company that is listening or CEO that is listening, helping you to ask those questions that everyone ought to ask, not just about your business, but sometimes even about your life and about your positioning in life. Before I sign off, um, Susan, one thing that's very dear to my heart is somebody listening and saying, oh, you see, it's good for them. I wish I was like them. And talk to somebody who's either struggling it out there and believing and give them some encouragement. I think you must always believe in yourself. Um, One of the things that drives me every day is realizing that even if I don't know, I can learn. I can ask for help and someone will be willing to help. I think human beings inherently are good Um, And so you should just stand strong and firm on that belief, knowing that you can achieve those goals that you set for yourself. I don't take myself seriously, but I take my work very seriously. One of my big learnings from this conversation. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you for having me. Let's do this again. Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. We had a blast. Then I've had a blast too. (laughs) This has been a blast on Springboard, your virtual university with my guest Susan Quist, brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse and the Enterprise Group with media support from the Multimedia Group and the Graphic Communications Group. Till we come your way again next week, my name is Albert Okran, saying God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. i